What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 47 of Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Hope everyone out there had a good weekend. You do anything interesting? I doubt it. You were probably at home, though the last dance concluded its 10-part docu-series last night, the documentary about Michael Jordan, which was excellent and riveting and everything it needed to be, if not uh, maybe a little bit underwhelming in those last two episodes. So what are we going to talk about on today's podcast? Well, I'm going to start off talking about the leaked proposals regarding the health and safety guidelines that Major League Baseball and their players will have to abide by, assuming, of course, there is a season this year, which I I don't think there's going to be, and the things I'm about to talk about prove my point. It was leaked by several sources, but I will go off of John Heyman's tweet, who I feel like kind of contextualized it perfectly. He said, end quote, out or discouraged in proposed Major League Baseball protocols, spitting, seeds, tobacco, licking fingers, fighting, hitting inside, meeting inside, bat boys, high fives, fist bumps, fraternizing, showers, sauna, hydrotherapy, Uber, subway, leaving the hotel. So that's a short tweet, but a lot to unpack. Basically, in order for there to be a season this year, human contact in a sport that is <laughs> has features a lot of human contact is going to be essentially outlawed. The more I read this stuff, the more confident I become that we're not going to have a season. Because what player is going to want to sign off on this? And and before we get to the whole, well, they make millions of dollars, they owe it to it, shut up. That's such a cop-out argument. I'm sick of hearing that. But if you're a player reading this, like, and I know these guys love the game, and I know they want to get back to baseball, but if you're a player and you kind of have the control right now, is this the sport you want to come back to? essentially no social interaction. You just go out there, you hit, you pitch, and you field, and that's it. Now, I don't blame Major League Baseball for having these guidelines. I want to get that point across. They're doing everything that needs to be done in order to ensure a season this year, assuming, of course, we have one. And if the players agree to this, which it's not out of the realm of possibility that they do, I would be surprised, but if they do, uh, it will be very intriguing to watch it's going to be strange. You're going to have some nerd, some pencil pusher who's going to be following these guys around. I shouldn't say nerd. That's that's probably not nice. It'll be it'll be an employee of Major League Baseball or a team doctor who's going to be following these guys every move. I don't know how we're going to go about penalizing guys if something does happen. You know, if Nolan Arenado slaps Trevor Story on the butt, let me make a Tiger comparison instead. If Matt Boyd slaps Nico Goodrum on the butt for making a diving play, at shortstop, is he going to get fined X amount of money? It's going to be strange to see how they enforce this. It'll be interesting. It'll be something I'll definitely watch. I mean, I don't really care. It's baseball. I'll watch it either way, but it's just such a mess right now. And one thing I think that's getting forgotten in all of this is it's May 17th. Actually, May 18th, if you're listening to this podcast right now. They kind of need to hurry up with these proposals. I feel like they're kind of twiddling their thumbs because if the, if the idea was that you want to get players to spring training by mid-June and have a season on 4th of July, you need to announce things probably within the next week. And I don't think they're that close to an agreement. The the Players Association, as of this moment, hasn't officially rejected the owner's proposal. It seems like everything's at a standstill, and there's no sense of urgency. 
which is should come as no surprise to anyone. This is the same sport in which a guy lost a perfect game on a god-awful call, and it wasn't until four years later when Instant Replay was officially introduced into baseball. This is not a sport that moves at a brisk pace. They move at a rather glacial pace, and that worries me. I think they kind of need to hurry up because I think they'll probably end up milking this and you'll get to a point where they say, oh, well, we just ran out of time. No, you didn't. You've had two months to come up with a proposal and you just kind of keep twiddling your thumbs. It's, it's very strange. I, I don't understand. I love this game. I don't get this game sometimes. I don't get how people go about things in this sport sometimes. It's just very strange to me why this is taking as long as it is. It was supposed to be last week when they brought this proposal to the Players Association. What are they waiting for? Approve it or not, let's go. I don't know, man. With with each passing day, with each passing hour, with each passing second, I become less and less confident that we're going to have a season. It's disappointing as hell. I feel like they should have this thing figured out. They don't. It's May 18th right now. There's no deal in place. Right now, there's officially no season, and it's it's brutally disappointing because I think this is a golden opportunity for baseball, and it's something I've talked about on here several times, but that's the way it is. So when I come back, it's What If Week here on this podcast and throughout many Locked On podcasts, and we're going to be doing uh, an all-time Tigers What If, talking about what would have happened if the Tigers would have held on in Game 163 and won the AL Central in 2009. We'll be right back. Mima Remedies is a CBD company providing full-spectrum CBD hemp oil and flour. The company is owned by Michigan State alums and Southwest Michigan residents, featuring only two ingredients, along with USDA-certified organic MCT oil derived from coconuts, CO2-extracted full-spectrum CBD from hemp Organically grown in Oregon, where MIMA founder Brandon Denler got his start in the industry working with other Michigan State alums. To celebrate MIMA's first season growing their hemp in Michigan, we are giving Lockdown listeners 25% off at MIMAremedies.com. Full spectrum extract retains terrapines and flavor of hemp flour, no additives or flavoring. All products third-party lab tested, always below 0.3% THC. Find MIMA on Instagram at MIMA Remedies, Facebook, and at MIMAremedies.com. If you're looking for high-quality CBD products from a brand you can trust, MIMA is a match made in Michigan. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut-free flavors. It says so on the packaging. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. I had my very first one just the other day, the peanut butter brownie one. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, which have a little bit of crunch to them, these, they really do melt in your mouth. And Built Bars are healthy too. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or girl lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Look at uh, something like the peanut butter brownie, the one I just talked about. That's 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams 
net carbs. You can try them today, but we have a special offer as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. This podcast is sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24, Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a foreword read by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and his co-author, John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or are looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now wherever audiobooks are sold. And we are back. So like I talked about at the end of last segment, it is What If Week here on this podcast and throughout many other Lockdown podcasts. I know uh, other podcasts have been doing this for for several weeks now, but this is the first time I've done it. And there's definitely some major what-ifs in the Detroit Tigers organization over the years, especially recent history. But I'm going to start with one that might get overlooked a little bit, and that is the 2009 team that lost game 163 to the Minnesota Twins in the Metrodome, I believe the final uh, technically regular season game ever played at that dump. Tigers lost that, but let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. As late as September, this was looking like a magical season for the Detroit Tigers. They were never the favorites to win the World Series, the Yankees and Phillies. That was one of those years where there were just two teams that seemed like they had separated themselves. Dodgers were very good that year as well, but seemed like they had separated themselves from the rest of the pack. And that was a loaded American League that year. The Los Angeles Angels in 2009 had a baseball team that probably would have won the American League most seasons, but the Yankees just had a magical year that year. They were really a juggernaut, but the Tigers were seemingly running away with the division in 2009, seven games up after 136 games, and they stumbled, and they fell apart, and you get to game 163 against the Twins, a game that I think most people believe the Twins would win fairly easily. The Tigers seemed like they were running on fumes. You had a rookie pitcher in Rick Porcello on the mound, and in fairness to the Tigers, like everyone talks about how huge of a collapse this was, and it was. I'm not going to act like it wasn't. It was a massive, massive collapse. But they put themselves in position to win game 163 multiple times. They had a big lead early on. They were winning three to nothing. You know, they had a lead. And at several points, it seemed like they were going to take advantage of some big opportunities. One of the biggest ones came in the ninth inning. In the ninth inning of that game in 163, you had Ramon Santiago lead off with a bunt. Curtis Granderson would single to right moving Adam Everett, who was the pinch runner, over to third. And then Placido Polanco would strike out looking. And then Maglio Ordonez would line into a double play. Poor base running on the part of Curtis Granderson. But yet the Tigers bounce back again. They took the lead in the top of the 10th with Brandon Inge uh, doubling to left field, scoring the, the pinch runner, Don Kelly. And then 
You know what happened? Michael Kadire hit what should have been a single to left field. Ryan Rayburn misplayed it, turned into a triple. You get a ground out, a walk, an RBI single, and then in kind of a redemption moment, Ryan Rayburn would make the catch in left field and throw out Casilla at the plate to prevent the Twins from walking it off in the bottom of the 10th inning. Tigers would have another huge threat in the 12th. Yeah, Brandon Inge probably got hit by a pitch. No replay back then. No replay in 2009. And I'm probably taking out some frustration here because what the hell, what's not to be frustrated about in Major League Baseball lately? For some reason, no instant replay that was able to look at that call in the top of the 12th inning that would have allowed the go-ahead run to score. You get to the bottom of the 12th. Alexi Casilla, who was thrown out at the plate a few innings before, would walk it off, scoring Carlos Gomez, and the rest was history. The Twins would get demolished in the ALDS swept by the New York Yankees, something that has continued to become very customary for the Minnesota Twins. You win the division, you get to the postseason, you get smashed by the Bombers. The Tigers were a better team than the Twins in 2009. They had more talent, they had a good pitching staff with two All-Stars and Justin Verlander and Edwin Jackson and uh, another up-and-coming rookie by the name of Rick Porcello. You had a pretty good lineup with Miguel Cabrera and Maglio Ordonez. Brandon Inge had his one and only All-Star season. In 2009, Curtis Granderson always uh, starting the game strong in the leadoff spot. That was a good team. Do I think that they would have posed a threat in the ALDS that year against the Yankees? No, I don't. But I think they would have put up a better showing than the Twins did, to be completely honest with you, because Verlander was pitching some really good baseball that season. And I think, you know, we talk about when was the moment where Justin Verlander went from really good pitcher to into the stratosphere and became all-time great. You know, some people would say as early as 2007 when he threw his no-hitter. I would say probably the tail end of 2009 and into 2010 was when he he achieved legendary status, or at least started to, and I would have liked their chances uh, with Verlander on the mound, even in Yankee Stadium. My guess is, if, I'm, if I remember correctly with the way the days off were arranged, he probably would have started Game 2 in New York. But ultimately, you know, it is a what if because it would have ended a massive drought. It would have been the first time the Tigers ever won, officially won the AL Central. You know, they rearranged the divisions in 1995. It was something we would have to wait two more years for. And of course, the Tigers went on to win the AL Central in 2011 through 2014. They would win a pennant in that time span and of course not win a World Series. We've talked about that millions of times already. But I, I think this is one to look back on because Game 163 against the Twins was one of the greatest ball games of all time, and I think it I think it would have changed some legacies because four division titles in a row is is unprecedented. But the idea of winning five out of six that's that's pretty remarkable. I mean, you're coming up on like you know Braves in the '90s and Dodgers and present day teams that just consistently year in and year out for a long period of time, were the best team in their division. Now, in 2010, the Tigers had an underwhelming season where they went 81-81, and but I think that this was also the first time that I can recall in which a lot of heat started to be directed towards Jim Leland's way. I don't necessarily agree with all of it. From what I remember, he managed a very good game in, in game 163 in 2009, but he was he was king here in 2006, all the way through 2008. Even with the miserable season they had in 08, people loved him. It wasn't until this collapse 
in 2009 when people really started to scratch their heads and wonder if this guy was as good as everyone made him out to be. I was not a Leland hater when he was here. Fell apart a little bit near the end, but represented himself well. The players loved playing for him, but I think his legacy changes a little bit if the Tigers are able to hold on and win the division in 2009. I think that this was the first time in which he kind of became a scapegoat, a punching bag for a lot of diehard fans in the Detroit area. Uh, a, a phenomenal collapse, an unfortunate collapse. The Twins took advantage of some really poorly played baseball by the Tigers down the stretch, and it was a, uh, a heartbreaking moment. And I think to a certain extent, kind of a forgotten one because there was so much success in Detroit from 06 to 2014 that people kind of look at that as just a blip in the radar. It wasn't. It was a very heartbreaking loss at the time and one that not a lot of people were sure they'd be able to recover from. Obviously, they did. They wanted to win. They went on to win four divisions on a pennant, but this one really stung at the time, and it's, it's a definite what if. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. There you will find the link to my YouTube page, which I'm getting booted up again. I'm going back to my roots, reviewing movies on YouTube. Already posted three movie reviews in the last week, so go check those out. All three of them were bad movies, but you can follow this show on Twitter at Tigers and if you're feeling up to it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review for this show. It would be much much appreciated. I will be back here on Wednesday, probably with another what if, and maybe even talking about some more news, assuming, of course, that there is some, which you never know with the way things have been going. Thank you very much for listening and sticking with me. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.